This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. And we want to talk about gardening here this first really feels like fall day. Uh, and I want to throw out a couple. It, it is a call-in program. If you've got some things you'd like to chat about, give us a call. It's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, Before we get uh, cranked up, uh, I want to uh, sh- shoot a thing by Java. Now, have you ever heard of phenology? I can't. I can't say that I have. It's one of those weird words. It's it's uh, predicting stuff in nature based on natural things, like the geese flying south say winter's coming. Okay. You know, or you plant your corn when uh, pecan leaves are the size of a mouse's ear. You know, in other words, before Old Farmer's Almanac, people watched for certain things. Well, I've been saying, and you've heard me say, when State Fair comes, halfway through, it goes from summer to fall. They, well, they start out wearing shorts. End up wearing jackets. Yeah, that's that's one of, I, I can get get with that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Boom, right on time. Well, the reason I want to bring that up because it's something I brought in. Do you know Southerners invented certain arguments? People love to argue. Uh, Southerners, we invented arguing about certain things like uh, Pepsi or Coke. Both of those are products of the of the South. Pepsi or Coke. Not, never going to win that argument, you know, one or the other. Unsweet or sweet tea? No, that's an easy one. Sweet tea all day. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and, and, and it's kind of interesting because I was thinking about that when they say, they don't say non-sweet, they say unsweet, which means it's de-sweeted. So the default is sweet. You want sweet tea or you want us to unsweeten it for you? There you go. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, in, in different ways. By the way, I mix mine half and half. I like mine semi-sweet. Uh, but how about this? Used to be, depending on what part of the state you lived in, uh, folks were naturally either sugar cane or sorghum cane syrup eaters. You know, you either like sugar cane or sorghum cane. And there's like Pepsi and Coke. There are subtle differences. Uh, North Mississippi, they grow great sorghum, which is a kind of a of a grain crop with uh, real sweet stems, a, a grass. South Mississippi, better for sugar cane, which can grow year-round uh, in warmer climates. I'm not going to get into the difference between syrup and molasses, but... I met yesterday with a guy named Ralph Arrington, who is the uh, an old friend of mine. He was with Extension Service when I was with Extension Service. Now, now he's a crop specialist uh, at Alcorn State. Anyway, we sat around yesterday and did something special for this time of year. He let me get up close and personal with sugarcane syrup making. And I mean, this this farm family from a third generation farm family from uh, Liberty, Mississippi, drove a, a wagon load of sugar cane. They ground it up in this machine that uh, that used to be run by a mule. But people said, you need to stop doing that poor mule. Now they make a poor tractor do it. <laughs> but they ground it up. The juice went straight into this big cooker. They cooked it down and it turned for every 10 gallons of juice. They got one gallon of pure sugar cane syrup. And I brought some in today. And now I have I have a jar of it fi- on my desk. Are your fingers sticky like mine? <laughs> I, I, I know, like I told you, my wife, she's going to love it because every time you bring something in one of your little jars, she just, she it's like, wow. Well, I, I'm going to put together a little short video that maybe we can uh, put on our website. But it's start to finish from pure sugar cane to pure sugar cane syrup, uh, you know, with no, nothing but a yellow jacket or two every now and then. And uh, by the way, one other thing I learned, the difference between a pronto pup and a corn dog. 
I don't. I don't what what is it? Because I'm that's that's my go to. That's my go to when I go to the fair. A pronto pup. Yeah, pronto pup is a corn dog, uh, but all corn dogs aren't pronto pups. The difference is a corn dog is dipped in a corn meal ah. type thing. No, yeah, corn dog is dipped in cor- like cornbread batter with a little flour mixed in with it and some sugar. Um, pronto pup is made with pancake flour. It's made with more of a of a flour with a little. Um, uh, cornmeal in it. So, uh, corn dog is mostly cornmeal, like dipped in a, 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 a cornbread batter. Pronto pup is like pancake batter. Biggest difference: the corn dogs are sweeter than pronto pups. And yeah, most I, pronto pups are like twelve feet, twelve inches yeah, long. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> if you want something like pancakes, go with pronto pup. If you like cornbread, go with corn dog. And we're not even gonna get into ketchup or mustard. <laughs> But anyway, we love to argue about fun stuff like that. But I'm going to get serious about gardening. We're going to start out uh, talking with Mike in Corinth. Hey, Mike, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I had a question about uh, weed killer. This summer I had a uh, new driveway run, and uh, uh, my yard and uh, driveway uh, formerly was a pasture uh, with mostly bahia grass. Yeah. And when the limestone driveway was poured, the contractor didn't do a real good job of scraping the grass off first. So I've been trying to kill the sprigs that come up through the limestone. What you using? It's a ready-to-use Roundup. Yeah, uh, that 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 works better than anything. And safer. A lot of people say, well, you can't recommend Roundup because it's bad. Roundup's on the same list as fried food and red meat. So if you overdo it for a long time, you might run it. But, but using it just to wet the foliage down, that's your best bet because the other herbicides can cause other problems like drifting and, and damage other stuff. So Roundup only kills what you put it on, then it degrades into carbohydrates. Well, it, it seems to do good against uh, Bermuda grass. Uh, but the bahia grass, uh, it, it's pretty hardy, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Roundup doesn't seem to be killing it very well. Well, he, here's the deal. The way these kind of weed killers work is they're absorbed in the plants, move down to the roots. They kill the roots, and then the top dies. But if the plant is at a stage where it's making seed heads or flowers, which bahia does a lot, all of its energy is going up. So the, the, the weed killer doesn't uh, – these weed killers work best on plants that are young, actively growing before they start flowering. And Bahalia starts flowering early in the summer. Uh, See, so these, uh, these sprigs are, uh, are not seed heads. They're just young sprigs. Yeah. But, uh, well, the better they're growing – you know, the better this stuff works. There's nothing that's going to be more. There are some weed killers you could put down there, like they use around power substations that kills everything for two years, two, three years you could put down there. And you can get those at a local farm co-op. I, I don't remember the brand names because they're, they're generally not something I would recommend, except for this kind of situation. You know, there are some you put down, and they're persistent. They last a long time. And, um, and, and not only will they kill the existing plants, but the new plants that come up from seed, which Roundup won't do. Roundup only kills what's there, and there's enough seed for bahia grass to come back for 10 years. When I uh, was a college student, uh, I worked at a, a farmer's cooperative in Corinth uh, in Alcorn County. And, uh, of course, this was back in the 70s. <laughs> it's a whole different, uh, this is a whole uh, different ball game, even from the 80s. The, the, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of those stuff are gone. Uh, well, 
we sold a granular weed killer. Yeah. I think it was calcium chlorate. Uh, uh, all all the the game with any kind of insecticides and herbicides has completely changed since the seventies. There are a few things still out there, but a lot of the real effective things from the sixties, seventies, and early eighties have been phased out, replaced with new generation things that are more effective and less likely to cause other problems. So, you know, whatever we, you know, I worked at a garden center in the 70s and the early 80s, and I, I don't, all that stuff's gone. Even pressure-treated wood is different now. So, Is, you, it, you, uh, is it possible that the limestone, uh, the dry, limestone driveway may be feeding the grass? No, harder? no. All, all limestone does is it, de- is it decomposes, it neutralizes uh, the, uh, organic acids. So, you know, that, that's not, it's not a fertilizer. It, um, okay. So anyway, you're going to have to be persistent because, again, you can kill every bahia grass plant out there, but there's no seed to come back. Uh, and it's going to blow in. Uh, every thunderstorm is going to blow more seeds in. Or else get one of these longer-lasting, persistent things. And, again, I, I, I don't keep track of those, but th- there are some out there. Okay, and, I appreciate it. Okay, and, uh, hey, good luck on them, man. Enjoy your show. Hey, appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ooh, when it comes to weed killers... That's a sub who a lot of stuff to know. Bottom line is, if you can live with them, live with them. If you can chop them or cut them, do that. If you need to spray something, you need to choose something that's going to get those plants without causing problems otherwise. And I keep track of home garden products, but not agriculture stuff. Uh, by the way, um, I was at my pub the other other night. And uh, they were talking about sports, arguing about football. And finally, I said, hey, y'all, something just ate all my broccoli. And the, room, the, the pub went totally quiet. And they all looked at me. And then one guy saved me. Let's call him Lee. And he said, I love broccoli. And all of a sudden, everybody started talking about sports again. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so not everybody's that into gardening, at least not, not late at night. Uh, before we take some other calls, we do have the lines open. Um, let me, and, and we've got a special uh, break coming up in, in just a couple of minutes. But uh, let me mention that, you know, this year I've only given like five or six instead of uh, 60 or 70 programs. But I've gotten a couple of garden club talks and uh, stuffed out on the state and uh, fruit seminars. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, we did a thing at the Maxim Meridian. That was fun. That was taking it out to the people, studio audience, and I really enjoyed the Max a lot. But this past weekend, I went to this plant swap organized by Nadine Phillips in Hattiesburg, and I ran into Nicole Jordan. And she's the editor of a, of, a, of a journal called Southern Quarterly. It's put out by the Southern Arts and Letters at University of Southern Mississippi. Uh, anyway, uh, it's called Gardening of the Global South, and my editorial in the issue was named Over and Under the Fence, Southern Gardening as Social Glue. And at the plant swap, Nicole, my editor, was the one who got the plant that I brought for the for the plant swap. And she said, I feel like a real Southerner now. I got this stuff going on. Uh, even my truck felt special, people taking pictures of the gardens. But main thing is, I really enjoy getting out and meeting with folks. Taking it to the streets. You know, I don't do real, I can do science stuff. I've got degrees on top of degrees. But when it comes to gardening, we like to sort of broaden the the line, blur the lines a little bit, not be quite as exact. I catch some flack about that from horticultures, but we're trying to talk real plain talk. That's what we do here at MPB. And by the way, most of the people that came to the plant swap, when I asked, very few belonged to garden clubs. They weren't master gardeners. These were non-joiners, individuals, 
getting together for just one thing only, and that's gardening and plants. And that's what we do here at MPB. We just bring people from everywhere, every background, every possible combination of non-joiners, and we get together and have a little party. We're going to take a, a short break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener right after that. Thank you all for listening today. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Ruskin here, and we are talking about gardening today. It's a live program, so if you want to give us a call, the lines are open, one mpb ring If you can't get in or you're just uh, sitting around daydreaming, uh, I'm going to spend uh, a good part of this afternoon answering emails. You can email me at garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, by the way, Java, you sent me something the other day. Uh, it was a, a review in a blog from... Uh, a well-known blogger from Houston, Houston, Texas. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I got to read this because, I mean, I think they nailed it. They, they, they said it, uh, the Gestalt Gardener, Southern Eccentric Gardening, a joy. Southern Eccentric Gardening. And I'm thinking, no, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. But here's what they said. Felder paints his bean supports purple, sticks plastic flowers on live plants that look too plain, and raising a baby possum named Pogo, which I did. Uh, callers with marvelous range of Mississippi accents ask about problems like tomatoes with black bottoms. And Felder, a trained horticulturist, offers useful fixes, but he's also sneaking in life lessons, live and let live, be fully part of this thing, this living world, and a few wrinkly leaves won't kill you. I think she nailed it. I think she did, too. <laughs> sweet, sweet, sweet. And uh, and I don't sell stuff. You know, there's a lot of horticulturists who do garden programs, and they promote this, and they they have an agenda. I don't have an agenda. Whatever you want to do. You want to have grass? I can help you. Wrote the forward to the book. You want to have wildflowers? Did that, too. Does not matter to me at all. Which approach you want to use? I don't care if you're a sorghum syrup or a cane syrup person. It's syrup, and that's what gardening is. It's just a syrup. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, we do have the lines open, one eight seven seven mpb ring um, We'd like to also thank everybody this, this uh, past half of the year who helped support the idea of putting a magnolia flower on the Mississippi state flag. We're going to vote for it in a couple of three weeks. And, you know, I hope you I don't care which way you vote. You know, I, I know what I'm going to vote for, whatever. But on the flag thing, if you like it, vote for it. If you don't like it, just leave it blank. Don't vote against it because that's what, that's our choice. And otherwise, we're going to start back over again. But I think it's a beautiful flag. I've got one flying in my garden. It looks fine when it's blowing. looks fine when it's hanging. But Magnolia State with a magnolia flower. Um, this past year, because normally I go over to England in the spring and, and uh, summer, um, I like everybody else, had to stick close to home. And I made a garden this year. This coming weekend, I'm going to start planting garlic. This is the time to plant garlic. You stick the little cloves, inch or two in the ground where they get sunshine, or in pots. You can grow garlic in a pot. Leave it out all winter. It will not freeze. So, you know, this is a good time to plant garlic. Um, but what I did uh, this this past year, I planted okra, tomatoes, peppers, three kinds of basil, some giant foot-long sword beans, stuff that I normally don't get a chance to plant because 
you know, I'm gone. But uh, I plant okra and peppers and basil as ornamental plants, and I happen to cook from them too. But I built a new raised bed garden this year. It's uh, three and a half, four feet wide and about, oh, 30 feet long. It's close to 100 square feet, but I could reach both sides of it. And I planted corn and beans and squash and sweet potatoes. Uh, but this past week, I had to build a chicken wire fence to put over it so I can keep critters off my kale and broccoli and cabbage. But um, anyway, another thing I did, we, we got a uh, caller coming in, but I want to mention this. I made pear and fig preserves, pear preserves and fig preserves this summer because I was here. I visited a peach and a plum farm up in North Mississippi. In other words, I've been having a g- great gardening time. I'm not a great gardener. You know, I can talk the talk, but I sort of stumble the walk, and it's all right. Hey, let's go down to Mobile and talk with Gene. Gene, thank you for calling. What's up, man? Hey, man, I called you last week about getting get some radishes. And my wife was supposed to be what a radio was, listening to the information you give me. Yeah. About 15 minutes later, I asked her, I said, where's that information? She, I didn't write it down. Oops. I'm still looking for those radishes. Can you hit me again one more time? Well, it'll it'll have different buzzwords because it's an old heirloom variety and goes by several n- different names. But it's going to have the word long and red. It might oh. be Cincinnati Market long red, but it'll have uh, if you do just Google long red radishes. They're I mean they're they're almost sweet. They're 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 somewhere between a radish and a carrot real fast, but it'll have long and red, maybe market, maybe Cincinnati, but if you can and, and by the way, they have it at a place called Seed Savers. Where is that? Uh, well, it's up in it's a, a seed place up in it's a mail order place up oh, in, okay. in Minnesota. But they they specialize in in heirloom uh, uh, seeds, seed savers, and also there's one that's called oh fooey, what's the name of this place up in? Uh, stay tuned, and I, I there's another place that's in Missouri that that does that also. That, well, you that, know. Uh, like I said, we old, so she's supposed to be taking the information. I'm getting away from the radio, so I won't interfere with the radio station. And uh, when it come down to it, she didn't have no information, so I, I, I tried to email you, and uh, I'm not very good at that either. Never okay. sent one, but Is she listening? Yeah, I, I'm always listening. No, it, it, no, no, no. Is she listening? Huh? Oh, is, no, she's gone, she gone to the beauty shop today. Well, you better write this down, boy. Baker's <laughs> Creek is the other place. Baker's Creek. Baker's B-A-K. Yep, and Seed Savers. And look for anything that says under radishes, long and red. Long and red. You got it written down, don't you? Well, I don't know what I can read it now, but I got it written down. <laughs> Appreciate your call, man. Thank you for calling, Gene. All, right, All righty. Now, we're going to go to um, Fairhope and talk to Diane Thomas. Hey, Diane, what's up? Hey, Felder, long-time listener, and I want you to know that my son in South Korea somehow manages to get some of your programs, and he listens, too. You know, we have uh, 100,000 people who download the, the, the Gestalt Gardener podcast, and from yeah. anyway, as long as he just understands we're talking about gardening, no matter where you are, but the plants might change here in South Korea. South Korea. Absolutely. My problem is this. We have about an acre piece of property with gorgeous camellias, azaleas, and Japanese maples. Uh-huh. We are invaded by artesia, that holly-looking Christmas berry plant. Yep. It covers the ground everywhere, and I need to know, other than weed eating it and whacking it down. That just makes it come back. That just yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and Ardesia is a nice ground cover. You know, it gets about knee-high. It's a, it's a good ground cover, but unfortunately, when you cut it down, it just sprouts back out. So it's sort of like Asiatic jasmine or any of these other spreading type of things. You know, if you could get out there 
when the soil is moist, when it's not too wet, I mean, when it's wet and the stuff pulls up, pull or pry up as much as you can, and then make a note next year early to pry up or pull up what little comes back. In other words, it'll take two or three times to do that before you can get it. But even weed killers that are safe under other plants like Roundup just beat up and roll off of that stuff. So okay. you can, you have to physically control it or else put you a sign that says warning Ardesia crossing and okay. live with it. So there's not much else you can do. Hand pulling it mechanically remove is what I'm saying or else just learn to live with it because ain't no weed killer is going to be safe to use. That's, I was hoping you were telling me something because there must be 4,000 plants. I get it. I get it. See, I, I don't have Ardesia. I've got Asiatic Jasmine coming up everywhere. And, you know, I've got degree in horticulture and weed science and blah, blah, blah. And I have to pull, get on my hands and knees and pull it. Okay. Well, but, it also has a long root system. You well, know I, know, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. But, but again, if you'll get the worst of it on a, when the ground is moist and okay. then stay on top of it, you know, give it time for new stuff to come out, every time it gets dramatically easier. Two or three pull-ins and you'll probably get rid of it. Okay. The first That's one is cool. hard. Pay somebody to do the first one. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, Diane. Appreciate it. Okay. Now, we're going from the Gulf Coast all the way up to North Mississippi hey, in cold water. Hey, John. How you doing, man? I'm great. How are you today? So far, so good. A little chilly this morning. Yeah, I like it though. I, I can live with this year round. Tell you the truth. And, and, and the dogs, the dogs are frisky too. The dogs like this weather too. <laughs> yeah, I know they do. Well, what's up? You were talking earlier about uh, sugarcane. Yeah. So I just want to tell you, <clears throat> we moved here in the '71, and my grandfather moved to a, a farm down here. And planted sorghum, and he bought one of those mills that you cook it in. Right. And we planted sorghum, uh, five acres of it, and then hooked up the grinder to the PTO. Yep. And you would feed it through that. I don't remember much about it because I was only about nine years old. It's just a mill. It just crushes the stems like it does with sugarcane, gets the juice, it squeezes yeah. the juice out of it. But what you've got to do is stir it. <laughs> oh yeah, it'll burn. You know, it's it's like co- it's like it's like cooking anything. It's like like you know cooking milk or something on the stove. If you don't stir it, it'll burn. I guarantee. You, and if you burned it while my grandfather was there, you never burned it again. <laughs> no, because that's a whole year's crop. That's and, right. And it takes eleven or twelve gallons of sorghum juice to make a, uh, a gallon of sorghum syrup. So that's a lot of juice that got wasted. Yes, yes, sir. You're correct. And usually they're doing this at the state fair right now, which is early. Usually this is done in November when it's a little bit cooler. Oh, so. okay. Well, what I wanted to tell you is uh, I've got relatives in Pontotoc, and right before you get into Thaxton on Highway 6 going toward Pontotoc, they've set up a brand-new sorghum mill there. All righty. Great. Right out of Highway 6, I guess, to sell people that come by. So if any of your listeners, listeners are interested, I don't know the name of it or phone number or anything. But it's on Highway 6 before we get to Pontotoc. That's it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Go go pet your dog. All righty. Um, we're going to take a little short break, and then uh, do we, are we going to do a little cheesy tune? Okay, when we come back up from this, it's not really a cheesy tune. It's done by a fella who's a frontline medical worker, a guy named Gus Mohammed. He's from Belzona. He's a nurse. He and his wife both are nurses, but he works with the COVID patients in Jackson. And uh, doesn't have much of a life because he can't visit anybody for a few days afterwards. 
and he's too tired to visit folks on the way. But he did this song for MPB. And when we come back from this break, we could do a little, this is about a minute thing by Gus Mohammed from Bellzone in Mississippi. I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing, me and Java Chapman and all the folks here at MPB. So glad you tuned in. And we're going to be here every Friday and Saturday rebroadcast talking about gardening. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Dear Felder, dear Felder, we sure love your show. You play cheesy music and share what you know about gardening and fun things and making things pretty and helping us all, even kids, to get dirty. Sign, dear gardener, dear gardener, dear gardener, I love what we do. By planning and tending, we help the world too. Your phone calls and emails help Java and me jive. Now please call, support us, and keep this show live. Sign, dear Felder. Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Horticulturist Felder Rushing, and we are live today on Fridays. By the way, it's rebroadcast on Saturdays, so if, uh, folks who tune in then, we try to mention it at a time or two. But we've had a couple of folks hanging on for a long time, and we're here to talk about gardening. So we're going to slide down to Pass Christiane. Catherine, thank you for holding. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hi, Felder. If you cut a tree and mm-hmm. grind it, I'm talking about an oak tree, Yeah. do the roots die or do they continue to put up little sprouts some trees will put up sprouts but oaks don't yeah okay, so, so, yeah some some tree now here's the deal though is it a big tree uh it's a group of happy medium-sized oak, yeah. oaks okay well here's the reason you know uh if you can imagine some of the roots the closer you get to the trunk the bigger they are and they can be as big yeah. around as my thigh over the next, you know, once you cut the tree, that wood is not pressure treated. It's going to slowly decay and rot just in compost, and it may take it three or four or five years to be gone. But if you can imagine a root the size of of your, your leg that goes out 10 feet, it's going to leave a hole that big when it decomposes. So, you know, three or four or five years from now, it's going to sink down a little bit. Just, just sort of expect that. Okay, and if you do not grind it, uh, what happens? Uh, it just, just, just yeah, it, it slow, slowly decays. I mean, it, it okay. just, it just, okay. it's just like, like any kind of piece of wood stuck in the ground. It just takes longer. If you wanted to, to decomp, if you don't want to grind it, and you know they charge like twenty five, thirty bucks per thing to grind. If you'll uh, get a drill, just drill a bunch of holes straight down in the trunk and throw some dirt on it. You'll be inoculating it with the kind of bacteria and fungi and providing air and moisture. So you know you can help speed it up by just drilling big, a lot of holes in the top and throwing some dirt in it okay if you ha- keep a tree trimmed uh specifically a fig tree do the roots continue to spread out and i'm asking that because i want to know how far out to put fertilizer if i 
trim my, my trees back pretty severely? It's, it's, it's a real good question. And, yeah, you know, if you stick your arms straight out and wiggle your fingers, that's where the feeder roots are, not up close to the plant. So, and, and there's not a real good rule of thumb for how far out, but, you know, the outer spread of the branches and about that much further is usually good. Do you have grass anywhere nearby? Yes. If you fertilize your grass every three or four years, you're fertilizing your fig tree, too, because they got roots way on out. In the woods, a tree can have roots sometimes twice as far as a tree is tall. But that's not going to happen in our yard because we've got sidewalks and, you know, driveways and stuff like that. So, in general, uh, out away from the plant. And it's not that, okay. it's not that exact a deal. Okay. And I may email you uh, to ask you for if there are any references that exist for root systems of plants. Oh, they are. You know, I studied plant physiology. I've been to special courses at North Carolina, a whole course on on where tree roots grow and the implications. It's real technical. But, you know, I, I see it'll be interesting to review for me to see what I can come up with. So shoot me an email. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Catherine. All right. And we've got uh, Roger calling from Florence. Hey, Roger, how are you? Th- and thanks for holding. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks well, for your program again. You bet. I want to tell you something that'll make you laugh. Uh, but I made a suggestion to the call screener. Maybe they'll they'll help this. I I drove this the other day. I guess it was Saturday. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I drove on your instructions that I'd heard on your program all the way down to Pebble, Mississippi, to the Leaf River Oops. for a plant swap. <laughs> it, was, it was on Sunday. I think that I might have uh, two or three weeks ago, I might have said it was going to be on a Saturday, but I didn't have any details. But in the past two weeks after that, I said it's going to be Sunday at 2 o'clock. So sometimes, you know, if I don't know everything, I, I kind of mess up oh, sometimes. I, anyway, I'm I'm sorry. I hope it was a pretty I'm not, day. I'm not criticizing you. It was a wonderful trip. And you may be pleased to know because you apparently knew the, the previous uh, owner of that plant uh, – uh, store right within river. It's in Petal. It's not in Hattiesburg. Well, I don't know. No, no. This program. Know. This 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 is in a, a Hattiesburg City Park, but it was near Petal. So, anyway. Oh, okay. anyway, anyway, I'm sorry you missed it, man. All right, and I got. But I got a question. I'm looking at a plant that I got there. The lovely lady there who said she didn't know anything about a plant swap gave me what she called a dead plant. Okay, because she couldn't sell it. All right. Yeah. And, and she said, I said, well, what is this thing? And she said, it's a, it's a double plant. And I said, well, I never heard of a double plant. Me either. <laughs> and, and, and so, but eventually she realized that she wasn't, she's not an expert. She said, no, 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 it's really two plants. And I said, okay, well, I looked at the ones that they had for sale. She said, we got to throw this away. And she gave it to me. There are two plants in it. I asked her what they are. She said, well, uh, first of all, she said it's a double plant. <laughs> One yeah, of them is called a mother-in-law plant. Yeah, mother-in-law tongue, or some people call it snake plant. Boy, I mean, it makes a tree-looking thing, the good ones, the, yeah. the new ones that yeah. we're selling, and a beautiful plant. And the other one is a bromeliad. Bromeliad, yeah. Bromeliad. Yeah. And then there's a third one in there that I didn't even see, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. But that So this was really a triple plant, kind of fun. Great. But, uh, 
can I separate? And I asked her, but she obviously was not. Y- yes, yes, it's no problem. These these are tropical plants. If you water them pretty good one day, so it's kind of make sure they got plenty of moisture and all. Then uh, next day you can just uh, pull them apart. The, the, their roots might be mingled a little bit, but you might have to twist them. Uh, you might even need to take it out of the pot and, and pull it apart and then repot each one of them. But there's no problem dividing those at all. I'm going to do it. They're beautiful plants. All righty. Well, Roger, we really appreciate your call, man, and I'll be more sp- – hope to see you at the next plant swap. Appreciate it. All righty, folks. Uh, this has been a special day today. You know, it's part drive time, part business as usual. And uh, I will say this, though. I, I thank everybody's helping us out. You know, we're a nonprofit and uh, helping to make these free learning resources, even in the middle of a global recession. A lot of people are hurt right now. But if you have the means to donate a little bit, we're going to put them to good use. We're going to put them to good Although I'm thinking we're not going to pay anybody to clean up the coffee I spilled out there in the carpet. I'm going to come back and do that myself. Because I did spill some coffee. And when I was coming in this morning, and I brought a persimmon. Uh, persimmon is soft, and I want so bad to bite into it, but I know better because the wild persimmons are really, really astringent until they get fully mature and uh, soft. So oh, I want so bad to bite into the, the oriental or Japanese persimmons. There's one called Fuyu or Fuyugaki, big as my fist. You can eat them with a spoon right off the tree. Not astringent at all. Beautiful plants this time of year. Look like they're covered with pumpkins. Uh, and they're terrific landscape plants. My great-grandmother had one up in the Delta uh, that uh, was planted before, long before I was born. And Katrina finally blew it down. But terrific ornamental plants. Good fruit. We're not really persimmon people so much. Uh, urban folks aren't, but the Japanese persimmon, beautiful landscape plant and perfectly edible too. And you can take a sharpie pen and put little pumpkin uh, faces on them if you want to. So anyway, uh, I'm going to spend this afternoon uh, catch up on emails because you know I, I had all the sugar I could stand. Matter of fact, Java, I got to tell you this. I can show it to you. It's in my pocket, but I pulled. They said, you know, taffy will pull fillings. Oh, wow. A big one. You know, one of the old kind, you know, that still had metal in it. But, I mean, I pulled a big old filling right out of my t- – and, and I'm sorry about it. Nah, because it's taffy. <laughs> Stayed fair. Anyway, folks, we're going to take a little early uh, – uh, uh, departure today. Would like to remind folks Saturday is a rebroadcast. I do answer emails, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, appreciate all of you here supporting uh, MPB and the Gestalt Gardener and all the other wonderful programs here. But um, if you get a chance to go to the fair, be sure to check out the, the free biscuits and the syrup that's made by Mississippians. Also, the, the uh, roasted corn and the flower shell. But if you can't make it to the show, take a kid to a garden center or a farmer's market or roadside stand. Let them meet people who grow stuff for us and uh, and share with them. And if you get a chance, take a kid outside, wiggle your fingers in the dirt, and teach them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Me and Java and all the other folks at MPB, wish you a safe uh, weekend. We'll talk to you next week. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.